0: Tonight, we're moving forward with this gospel thing, and last week where we were, we saw that how important, how cool, how the story of redemption was weaved throughout, and we saw that prophecy that was given so long ago was fulfilled in Jesus, and Jesus was doing this redemption thing before he was even born, and when he was born, he was born of a what? Virgin. Why was that important? Because then he was pure, he was sinless, and it was the fulfillment of all this prophecy stuff. He was uh, born where? We'll test your um, Christmas history. The city of David, which was called Bethlehem. Why was he born there? Because that was where he was what? Prophecy. What were you saying? That. Prophecy. Prophecy. What up? Prophecy, okay? Uh, prophecy in Micah, that he was supposed to be born there. Anything else that we saw last week that was like, okay? Remember when we went to John? We jumped to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning, okay? So who was the Word there? Jesus, and we know that by jumping to, I'm already teaching and we haven't even prayed yet. We jumped to verse 14. He dwelt among us. Okay, He came to rescue by dwelling among us. So that's where we started. um, We've painted the picture all the way through. We're we're in the New Testament now. And last week we ended with the verse where Jesus is about to begin his public ministry. He's dunked into the water by John the Baptist. That's a cool story. And do you remember what the Father said to Jesus? or about the son. Remember what he said? This is, yeah, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So God has already said this guy right here is my son and I'm pleased. He's we already have the testimony from God the Father that Jesus is what? Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God. We have that from the Father. What we're going to do this week, um, as we thumb through some scriptures and reason through some scriptures together, we're going to see four different testimonies, okay? We're going to see what Jesus says about himself, the testimony of Jesus. We're going to see the testimony of Jesus' followers. We're going to see the testimony of Jesus' works that he did. And then we're going to see the testimony of Jesus' life. So we're going to wrap our minds around those four things tonight. Jesus says who he is, his followers say who he is, his works say who he is, and his life say who he is, okay? So what I want you to do tonight as we pray together, I want you to ask the Lord to to cut through all the junk, to cut through all the stuff that's happened this week, uh, to cut through the distractions and the noise and... uh, the cute guy or girl that you're like, ooh, they're here, or, or anything like that, or the person that's at your college that you're like, man, I hope she calls me back, or whatever. All of that stuff, and I want you to push that out, and I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you tonight. Okay? If you need to deal with some sin, and you just need to say, Lord, forgive me, that was wrong, I agree with you, that was wrong, so that we can come together, Huddle together and move into the presence of the Lord together. Um, I, man, that would be awesome if we all did that. Okay? So, you ready? I'm going to pray, but God's awesome and can hear all of us pray. You're not going to pray out loud because that might freak some people out. We'll do that later. But let's pray. Okay? And I'm going to be weird and kneel because I just feel like I need to. God, we come before you tonight. And Lord, we are so humbled by the fact that you are God, that you have not just started the world in motion and moved away and uh, become a distant God, but Father, you are a God who is near to us. You are near to us when we praise you. You are near to us when we feel your presence. And you are near to us when we feel like we are in a dry and weary desert place. Father, we ask tonight that you would speak not through weird, miraculous things, not through huge neon lights in the sky, but Father, that you would speak through the Word of God by the Holy Spirit of God into the hearts of men and women. And Father, we ask that you would open the eyes of the blind. We ask that you would take scales off of eyes. We ask that you would change Hearts. We ask that you would change destinies. We ask that you would raise the dead even tonight. Father, that can only happen through the Word of God and the Spirit of God and through people interceding that God, we are desperate for you to do something. Only you can transform. Only you can change. No sense of experience. No sense of the right song or the right words or the right person. But, Father, only you can do that. So, God, we crucify everything that is of us, everything that is of our flesh, and we ask the reigning king, Jesus, Yeshua, to reign in this place tonight by the Spirit of God as we look at the Word of God. Speak to us. Move us. Change us so we can be the people that you've redeemed us to be. Only you, God, can do that. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in him we can have life. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. I'm pumped that you're here. Let's get right to it. We talked about we've been weaving this tapestry of redemption. We've been hitting some broad strokes. We've gone all the way from Genesis 3.15, stomp the head on the devil, to Abraham who believed by faith God credited to him as righteousness, to, hey, he's going to be born of son of a David through the line of Judah. Then, oh, the bad stuff of the prophecy, Um, the, the hard times of the captivity of Israel and God glimmers this hope, gives this light of the gospel in saying, there's going to be hope, there's going to be restoration through the chosen one, the suffering servant. Silence for 400 years. Then, God does not come uh, on a a white cloud. God does not come riding a white horse. That's not yet, that's later. God comes in the form of of a baby to come into to change the DNA so that we can have a sinless sacrifice to buy us out of slavery. Very cool. Let's look at what Jesus says about himself, okay? Take your Bibles, please. We like the Bible here. Turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We're going to look at what Jesus says about himself. What Jesus' testimony of himself is. Okay? I'll give you a couple seconds to get there. John chapter 5, verse 17. But he, Jesus, answered them, the people that were trying to get him, and says, My Father is working until now. What's he say right there? We just read it. Okay, so he says, my father. What's, what's the big deal with that? Huh? They're not the same. He's related to God. God is his father. My father is working until now, and I, Jesus, myself am working. So God is working and Jesus is working. For this reason, what reason? What he just said, what did he just say? That God is working and that Christ is working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to what? To kill him. What? What did he just say? Say it again okay that my father is working myself i'm working too and the jews that were around him what they want to do kill him okay we need more of this story because okay it's going to give us the reason he not only was breaking the sabbath but also was calling god his what his own father and making himself what equal with god so why were the jews going to pick up stones, throw them, and kill them. why they want to do that? Talk loud, because I'm, I'm not really deaf, like our pastor is deaf, but I can't hear very well. What? Yeah, yeah, it was an offense. God was one, Deuteronomy 6, the staple of the Jewish faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And now he's saying... I'm working, my father is working, he is making himself, what's the word? Equal with God. Interesting. So Jesus says, hey, I'm equal with God and these guys want to kill him, but it's awesome because his hour had not yet come. Turn over to John 10. John 10, this is Jesus' testimony about himself. John chapter 10, verses 22 and following. You there? Say, uh huh. Okay, at that time, what time? The feast of dedication took place where? In Jerusalem. Big deal. Seven feasts in Israel. All the people of Israel are coming together to this feast. Big time celebration, party, good times. Verse 23. Jesus was walking. Where was he walking? The temple in the portico of Solomon. Lots of other people there. The Jews then gathered around him. Remember what we saw in chapter 5. They've already got issue with him. Saying to him, the Jews are trying to get him, saying, Will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, if you're the Messiah, if you're the chosen one, if you're the one that's going to set up the kingdom, then what? Come out and say it. And Jesus had been saying it all along. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, I've told you and what? You don't believe the works that I do in my Father's name, these do what? These testify, what's that mean? These tell about, these show who I am. What shows who Jesus is from this text? His works, his miracles, all the crazy stuff that he's doing. But has that worked for these Jews? No. He's told them, but what? They don't believe. He's done all these crazy things, all this stuff to show this is Jesus. He's shown them again and again and again. But what? They don't believe. There's some major application there but you do not believe, why not? Uh-oh. You're not of my sheep. Well, that's interesting. I hope he gives us more information about that. Oh, he does. Verse 27. My sheep, what do they do? You notice I'm just asking some questions of the text. I'm not getting what Mark Driscoll or whoever you listen to, Joel Olstein I'm not... Getting, no, he doesn't, oh, stop. <laughs> but you do not believe because you are not in my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Look at what this says about the sheep, okay? And you say, say is this representative of my wife, okay? Is this, if I'm a sheep and Jesus is the shepherd, is, does, is this my life right here? Okay, number one, what? My sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing the voice? How do we hear the voice of Jesus? Is it like, hey, I'm Jesus. Go to church. Is that how we hear the voice of Jesus today? No. Right? Right? We're all in the, on that page. Okay? How do we hear Jesus' voice today? The Word? Ministers who use the Word? Friends who use the Word? Songs that are based off of the, or actually the, Word? What are we trying to say here? How does God speak to us today? The word When we pray, if we pray something and we have this revelation, not revelation, that's the wrong word, if we have this feeling that God is leading us in a direction, what should it line up to? The Word. If it's not in con- congruence with the Word of God, then what's the problem? Uh, you hear hearing the wrong kind of voice, right? My sheep hear my voice. When is the last time you heard the voice of the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. That's about us. He's speaking. Are we listening? His word is there. Do we even care? What's the second thing it says in verse 27? My sheep hear my voice and I know them. That's reassuring. Okay, I have a responsibility to listen to the voice. Jesus, God, is speaking. Am I listening to the voice? But, oh, good times. The shepherd knows the sheep. Very cool. That's assuring, reassuring. Okay, my sheep hear my voice, number one. I know them, right on. And what else? This is where it gets a little, ooh, knife to the chest. My sheep hear my voice. They don't just hear it, but they follow They don't just hear it once. What do they do? Follow it. Er Erkamai. They hear, follow. Hear, follow, continually. Follow, 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 follow. So that adds a new thing to the equation. We hear the word. What's James say about hearing the word? You remember? Any scholars in here? Yeah. Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Awesome. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And look at some of the benefits. Follow. Let, let's unpack that for a second. I, I didn't mean to go into all this, but I feel like this is where, where we need to head right now. What does follow mean? What it mean to follow? Let them lead. Yeah, follow his lead. So it's not like you're going out there on your own. Walk in the same path. Seek after. What? Obey. Trust. Obey. Trust that God is the shepherd, Jesus is the shepherd, that his word says, that's where you can hear his voice and then, boom, Follow, obey. I love this passage. It gives some people a hard time, but it's sweet. It's so awesome to know that I'm known, that I hear, I can hear the voice of the Father, and that I can follow after Him. Verse 29, or 28, sorry. Look at the benefit. And I, Jesus the shepherd, give eternal life to them. This is awesome, because Jesus isn't talking here to like the 12. They're probably hearing this conversation where is he? We looked at that. He's in the temple. Who else is there? Remember? Jews, okay? Jews in the temple. Oh, okay. That's how it's supposed to be. Lots of them. Why? Why are lots of people there? I mean, it's not just like tonight where there's, what, 30 people in here, 40 people. This is like tons of people in Most of them are there out of obligation because they have to do it. And Jesus starts talking about the shepherd and the sheep. And they say, tell us who you are back in the day. Now he says, my sheep know. They hear, I know them, they follow. And, plus to the equation, I give eternal life to them and, plus sign, this is praise the Lord, they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, a lot of people like to clarify and like to highlight that verse and be like, I'm saved. I can live like hell. I can do whatever I want. I can get drunk on the weekends all the time, all the time, all the time, because nothing can snatch me out of his hand. What's the prerequisite? What has already been said back in the previous verses? Yeah. Hear, be known, follow. Life, never perish, never be snatched out of his hand. You think they're connected? You think you can be not snatched out of the hand if you're not over here, Here, known, follow you think they're related this means yes this means no okay thank you 3 of you let's keep going verse 30 i and the father are one the jews what they do they picked up stones again to stone him this is before guns and all that crazy 32 Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you stoning me? What's the deal? What? Okay, what's the stones about? Why are you going to stone me? Well, the Jews answered him, for good work, we don't stone you, but for what? Blasphemy. We'll talk about that word in a second. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God, what's Jesus' testimony about himself? He is not just son of God, he is God. Did the other, was there any confusion by anyone else around the scene that Jesus was saying that he was God? Did the Jews who didn't even believe in him, did they get what Jesus was saying? Yes, remember our cues here, yes, no. Did they get it? Yeah, how do we know they got it? What were they about to do? Stone him. Blasphemy. Let's talk about that word. According to the Old Testament Mosaic law, God commanded stoning for a couple of offenses. Now, get out of your images or your mind, Cheech and Chong and all that kind of stuff. Not that kind of stoning, okay? We're talking about picking, physically picking up rocks, throwing them at people. You think you live in a bad day when people go to prison. If you were rebellious to your parents, your parents confront you, and you continue in your rebellion, mom and dad had the obligation to pull you by your hair, not really, but pull you out in front of the city gates, present you to the elders of the city, and guess what would happen? We'd pick up some rocks, and we'd stone you. Yeah, talk about object lesson. I doubt that there would be a whole lot of rebellion in public schools if we made an example out of one child. I used to tell my students at school, give some examples. That was a good object lesson. They did well after that. Not only for rebellion against authorities and parents, but for sexual sins. Remember the woman, uh, he, you who has the first sin cast the, cast the stone. You who has no sin, whatever it is, cast the first stone. If you were caught in adultery, immediately, you'd be stoned. Uh, Witchcraft, sorcery, you'd be stoned. False prophecy, Deuteronomy talks about this. All these guys who say all this stuff is going to happen today, and they're like, oh, just kidding. Deuteronomy says, if one of your prophecies is false, you're a false prophet, and you're to be stoned. Think about that with some of the people crawling around on the TV today. And blasphemy. You're to be stoned for blasphemy, which is literally stupid. The Greek word is blacks, B-L-A-X. Stupid talk about God. Stupid talk. Here the Jews accuse Jesus of a stupid talk that makes himself out to be God. They thought he was stupid. They thought he was insane, and they were going to kill him. And so Jesus' claim would be worthy of stoning if it were false, but if his claim was true, he was truly God in the flesh, okay, so we looked at those, let's look at the claim of Jesus' followers, Jesus' claim was, just in case we might have missed it because I talk a lot and Ramble, what was Jesus' claim? I am God, I and the Father are one, you got it? Jesus said he was God, Not only the Father, the Spirit, John the Baptist, and Jesus himself claimed that he was God, but he had these 12 guys who followed with him. You know him as the disciples. Note another name given to Jesus in this text, the Son of Man. Turn over to Matthew 16. I love this passage. Jesus had been doing crazy, crazy stuff in front of the disciples. Casting out demons healing people left and right. Jesus, verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Another big, huge Old Testament name that we don't have time to get into. And they said, some some are saying you're John the Baptist. Others are saying that you're Elijah. Elijah. But still, others are saying, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Okay? That's what other people are saying. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, think about this. This isn't like some invitation thing at a church. Who do you say that I am? This is people that have lived with Jesus Eaten with Jesus, seen Jesus do all this stuff, people that have been molded by Jesus for several years now, two plus years. And Jesus finally confronts them and says, What does everybody else say? Okay, put that aside, what everyone else says about me. Who do you say that I am? And what's our boy, Simon Peter, say? You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the chosen one. You're the one. Stomp the head on... Ugh, I can't talk. Stop. Put your heel on the, on the head of the serpent. The serpent's going to get you. You're the one that is the seed of Abraham. You're the one that is going to set the people free from their sins. You're the one that's going to reign and rule on the throne of David forever. You're the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barone, because flesh, catch this, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but who did? But my Father, who is in heaven. So, just in case we miss it again, because I ramble and talk a lot, verse 16, what did Peter say? Who do you say that I am? Zero in on Peter. What's Peter say? You are the Christ. The son of the living God. How did Peter get this? Did he attend a class? Was he at a Billy Graham crusade? How? God. Not flesh and blood. Not some Joe on the street. God, the Father, revealed it to him. If we are to have that claim, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, what has to happen? What's this text say has to happen? The Lord, God, has to reveal it to us, put it with what we saw in John chapter 10. We hear his voice. We're known by him, we follow, and then we get all those benefits. So, what does followers say about him? Summarize, put it in the picture for me. Jesus said, I'm God, me and the Father one. What did the followers say? Right on, you're God, the son of the living God. Sweet. Go back to John 10. am not even keeping up with this thing. Oh, too fast. John 10, go back. We're flipping through. We've got Jesus' testimony about himself, he's God. We've got Jesus' testimony, the the follower's testimony. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. What about his works? We won't go through all of these, but look at John 10, 37 through 38. If I do not do the works of my father, don't believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. All right. Let me go to the next one and then we'll talk about all these. I put this one up here for you so you don't have to flip through a bunch of stuff. We jump. Past Jesus' death, burial, resurrection to the Gospels out. It's going. It's going full force. Day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit. Wow, this is crazy. Look at what Peter says, verse 22. Men of Israel, he's preaching to them, telling them everything that we've been covering over the past six weeks. This is how it happened back in the day, explaining how Christ has come to them. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus... The Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourself know. What did Jesus' work say about him? According to this verse, and Peter, You tell me, look at your text or look at the screen. Mueller, Mueller, anybody? He's God. A man attested to you by whom? By God. How? With miracles, like raising people from the dead, casting out demons, and signs which God performed through him. Jesus doing the will of the Father, God performed through him. Go to one more Mark 2. I think I have this up here. No, I don't. Let me read it to you, unless you want to go there. Mark 2, verse 5 and following. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, who's he talking to? Paralytic. Anybody know what that means? What's paralytic? Paralyzed, can't move. Said to the paralytic, Son... Your sins are forgiven. Now, if you're paralytic, what do you want to hear from Jesus? Get up, walk. But Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 6. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning where? Where are they reasoning? oh my gosh, you are worse than like my 12th grade students. Where were they reasoning? In their hearts. What's that mean like in today's language? It's like when you're sitting somewhere and someone's talking and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Oh my gosh. And you're pulling apart everything that the person says and you've got this like antagonistic spirit within you, but on your face you're like, looking all sweet and somber, but on the inside you're like, in knots, in their hearts, and this is what they're saying in their hearts, why does this man speak that way? He is, what's the word, blaspheming, stupid talk, who can forgive sins but God alone. Where are they thinking about this? Yeah, this is one of those like call boxes in the comics where you're not saying it out loud. Did I just say that out loud? They're thinking it on the inside. Verse 8, immediately Jesus, aware because he's God and he's awesome like this, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Okay, so if you ever been in the situation where you're thinking this thing and the person that you're with totally calls you out on the carpet and says, what are you thinking about this for? And you're like, crap. how they know what I was thinking? Okay, Jesus, Son of God, who's omniscient, knows everything. He totally cuts through. He's not like, let's talk about it. He speaks to it and says, why are you thinking that? Verse 9, think about the logic that Jesus uses here in verse 9. Which is easier, side A, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or side B, to say to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk? Let's pull this apart for a second. Which is easier? Sins are forgiven, get up and walk? This one is blank in nature. What's the blank? Sins are forgiven. Spiritual. Can't see it. I guess he's forgiven. I don't know. This one over here, paralytic, get up, rise, and walk. Lots of verbs there. What blank in nature? Physical, if it happens, it's going to happen, it's going to be like, oh, he's for real. Which one's easier to do? Is it easier to forgive sins or get up and walk? For in all we've seen about sins, which is easier? Get up and walk. In order to forgive sins... That's a whole new ball game. You gotta stop the DNA, you gotta take the DNA out, put another DNA in. You gotta take the heart of stone out, you gotta put another heart in. You gotta take the old man the flesh, crucify, and put a new man in. Forgive sins. Versus get up and walk. Still difficult, but in the case of the two, this one's easier than this one. But I love I love Jesus anyway, but I really love this. Verse 10, but so that you may know that the Son of Man, blinking lights, really important, has authority on earth to forgive sins so that you can get, look up here, so you can get that the Son of Man has authority to do this. Read the next verse. What's Jesus do? I'm going to do this. So that you get that I have the authority to, boom, take care of sins, I'm going to say to the paralytic, bro, get up and walk. You've been in this your whole life, get up, walk. You know the end of the story, what happens? Get up, walk. Guy gets up and walks, takes his mat with him, right on. What's that prove? That's amazing in and of itself. What's that prove, though, that Jesus has what? The authority on earth to do, forgive sins. Go, if you're there, go back a couple verses. Look at what they, uh, what were they reasoning in their hearts about him? Verse 7. Psh, why is this man talking the way he does? Why is, he, why is this joker talking about that he can do this? Who can forgive sins but God? So even this miracle that Jesus does, I hope you get that Jesus didn't just go around and heal everybody. Everything that he did while on earth was to show what? That he was the son of God or God. One more, Mark 1:39, I think I have this up here. Bingo. And he, Jesus, went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. You want to know his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Pretty cool. After, just, this is bonus, this is for free. After he was baptized, Jesus went through Israel performing tons of miracles, all to show he was the Son of God. Uh, He turned water into wine. We're Baptists. We don't talk about that. John 2, 7. He multiplied bread and fish. We can talk about that because we're Baptists. We like to eat. John 6, 11. He caused the blind to see. Right on. John 9, 7. He raised the dead. Whoa. Okay. Multiplying food. Wow. Crazy. Raised the stankin' dead. Raised the dead who was dead, decaying, in the grave, smelly, gross. Lazarus. Get up. Sweet. I love that story. We don't have time to go into it. Walked on water. Whoa, now we're getting really crazy here. That's in Matthew 14. Made the lame walk multiple times. Healed many of every kind of disease and sickness. So there's, one, there's several passages where it's like, he healed all their diseases, all their sicknesses. Doesn't even go into what it was. And he cast out some pretty crazy demons. I'm legion. Hey, bro, why are you running around naked in the the graves? Jesus goes to the, the demoniac who's butt naked, scratched himself, crazy silly. Most of the people we try to avoid, and Jesus says, let's show that I'm the son of God. Out, go hang out in some pigs. Pretty cool. Love it. Jesus is God. He says it, his followers say it, and his works talk about it. Couple more things, sinless life. Look at what it says about Jesus. We'll go through these. I have these up here. First 1 Peter 1.19 Knowing that you are not redeemed. This is Peter talking after Jesus is explaining the gospel. Knowing that you are not redeemed, bought back. This whole thing we've been talking about from slavery with perishable things. If you have perishable food, what's that mean? If you go to Outback right now and order the Outback special, how long is the Outback special going to last? couple of hours a week. Yeah, right. You will be going to some sort of hospital not very long why because it's perishable. What's a non-perishable item? Why does Six Stones and Mission Arlington always say bring us non-perishable food items? They last longer. Okay? You are not redeemed or bought out of slavery with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal <laughs> Your stupid, silly, nonsense way of life. Inherited by Adam, our first parent, from your forefathers. But you were redeemed with what? You were bought with precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless. Hello, Exodus 12. The blood of who? Christ. Unblemished, spotless. Peter likes this topic. He talks about it a chapter later, 1 Peter 2.22. And he's quoting scripture from the Old Testament, verse 22. Who, Jesus who, committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. So we said last week, okay, virgin born so he could be pure. That's great. But what if he's virgin born and pure and then starts sinning? The deal's off, no redemption, man dies in the sin. With sin, death. Eternal damnation. But now, Jesus, who committed no sin. This one's one you need to put in your little arsenal of truth that you need to say all the time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that purpose, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? You hear that a lot. What's the point of this verse? Redemption. Have you heard this verse before? Yeah? What's it mean? I, I do the two thing a lot. Jesus is over here. Tell me about Jesus according to these verses. 1 Peter 1.19, 1 Peter 2.22, 2 Corinthians 5.21. What's the point? Sinless, pure, knew no sin. Not that like little baby, innocent, meek and mild, but 33 years of life, nothing new under the sun, the same stuff we had back then, same stuff wrapped in a different package back then. Sinless. God made him, Jesus, who knew No sin. To do what? To become. That's an interesting word. To become what? Sin. No sin. To become sin. What? Unfair, unjust, how could that be? On our behalf. For us. To help us to redeem us, to rescue us. God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Why? Why would a holy God do this to perfection? Because there's no other way for us to become righteous. There's no other way for us to be in right standing with holy, just God unless there was a sinless sin bear who had the wrath of god for your sin my sin all the sins of the world poured out upon him bearing it on the cross in his flesh on his body forsaken by god so that we could become righteous what a cost what a huge deal For freedom. Not some like, oh yeah, you're redeemed by, oh yeah, I'll pay you 10 bucks for righteousness. I'll pay you 10 bucks for redemption. You know something by the cost. You know the worth of something by how much is paid for it. How much is righteousness worth? The cost. Not ten bucks. You're not redeemed by silver and gold. You're redeemed by something much more valuable, the precious blood of Jesus. Let me tell you one more and then we're done. Hebrews 4.15, I think I have it up here. You ever have those verses that are like repeated a lot? Like in an instance of maybe two weeks or three weeks where you're like, I don't know listening to the radio or in conversation with people or from the pulpit or in a book or on a blog or somebody's Twitter or whatever, where you hear the same thing over and over again? Yes, no? No, I never hear the Bible unless I'm at church. Hopefully that's not you. Hebrews 4.15 has been that verse over the past two weeks for me in all of those realms that I just described. For we, I love Hebrews, too. Hebrews is the book that it's like, hey, you thought this... Let me, it's like taking Jesus as the diamond. Look at him from this way, wow. Look at him from this way, whoa. Look at him from this way. You thought Old Testament, that was a picture of, oh, my word. Jesus is better than all of those things. Hebrews 4.15, for we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things. How many things? One who has been tempted, another word for that is tested. We have a high priest, Jesus, this is talking about Jesus, who has been tested, give me me some things we're tested in. Has been tested in lust. Has been tested in Everybody's scared because you're like, I'm not dealing with that, but... Pride, greed. We don't have a high priest who hasn't been tempted with pride, with greed, with lust, with selfishness, with immorality. We don't have one who's been tested, who, who doesn't know what it's like to be tested. We don't have a high priest who... It's struggling with fears of rejection. We don't have a high priest, all those things. We have a high priest who's been tempted in all things as we are, and this is the kicker. Yet, what? Without sin. Jesus, the sinless sin bearer, is the one all the way back from Genesis 3.15 who's going to stomp, get a little bit, but stomp, take out the devil... He's the one that was preached to Abraham. You will have a seed, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The seed of David, the chosen one, the one who is coming to take away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We have his testimony. We have the testimony of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We have the testimony of his followers. We have the testimony of his works. We have the testimony of his life. Sinless. Can you wrap your mind around that for a second? Sinless. Dude. 33 years of his life. Sinless. Tempted in every way. Sinless. That's what it took the bias the real issue is dude do you, do you get that jesus is like i mean not just some story not just some archaic thing written down on a piece of paper that's a little you know jesus speaks in red but this is like jesus the sinless sin bearer god made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf, why? So that we can be the righteousness of God. Nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with your works of righteousness. You're still dead in your sin, a child of wrath even at rest. But God who made, made him who knew no sin to become sin for you. Dang. That's pretty huge. Pretty monumental. Pretty altering life-changing, earth-shattering, lie-destroying. So the real question is, through all of this, we've seen what, what all those testimonies are about Christ. But the real deal is the same question that Jesus said. You might be new to this thing. You might have been you know, coming and hearing about Christ since you were a wee little lad. But the real question is the same question that Jesus asked his followers. I don't give a rip what everybody else says about Jesus. I don't care what your mom and dad say or your pastor or your mentor or your friend that has been trying to get you to come to church who has been trying to pour Jesus on you and it's a little weird, and you're a little freaked out about it. I don't care what those people say. Who do you say that I am? And with that, who do you say that I am? Who do you live? What's, What's the testimony of your life, basically? Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is, yeah, he takes away your sins. Or Jesus is God. What did Peter say? Do you remember? Who do people say that I am, Peter? Who do you say that I am? I, what was the word? I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. There's this phenomenal song written by this guy named Andrew Peterson. He's worth checking out, he's kind of deep he has a song where that's the chorus and he talks about the story of this, this life that goes from thinking that you're, you're a believer when you're dunked in the water <laughs> going through the motions basically then going away from God living like hell not doing the hear and follow but doing the I don't give a rip what you say open rebellion against God to coming back and realizing what the gospel is about. And the chorus of this song is, I believe. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's one voice, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in the chorus. And he says, all I know is that I was lost, that I was blind and couldn't see, I'm totally screwing up the words. Lost, blind, couldn't see, but love is changing me. That he gets the love that was demonstrated on the cross, Jesus, Son of God, broken, bruised for you and I, full wrath of God on him, gets us to the place where we were lost, opposite of lost is found. Opposite of blind is you can see. Opposite of dead is alive. Rock on. Some of you, I mean, who do you say that he is? Is he the Christ, the Son of the living God? Or is he just kind of a fable? A good story. You know, that's the question. So I'm not into experiences and, you know, the heebie-jeebies and, oh, I just felt so whatever. But what if God were here, which he is, what if the shepherd were here and he's just said all this to you? Are you hearing his voice? Are you following him? Whoa, okay, that's big. Those are some big checks for me. What if... Jesus were here and said, got your your face, got your chin, basically, eye to eye, and said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say? Who do you say that I am? What would you say? None of this, like, you can turn your head and, like, you are gazing at the sinless sin bearer, Jesus? What do you say to him? Or what if your life was the testimony? What if your life was what you said? Where you're like, and your whole life comes out. What would it say? Well, you know, I, I was baptized when I was eight and I believed and I'm a good person and I went to Iwana and all that stuff. Or I believe you are the Christ, Son of the Living God. Let's pray. Hosanna. Hosanna, we come before you. God, save us. May our testimony be that you are God and there's no competition. There's no competing little gods. When we're confronted with the reality of the cross... That you, God, made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin. To take my crap, my shame, my innermost, deepest, darkest secrets of rebellion against God. Not a man who is guilty, but a man who knew no sin to bear the weight of my grief, my pain, my shame. And not only mine, but the grief, pain, shame of the entire world throughout time. So that I could be righteous. So that I could be brought back, restored, redeemed, renewed. Lord, that's that's amazing. You are amazing. For that work. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We ask that you would light a fire on what we've looked at tonight. We've arranged the wood. We ask that the Holy Spirit would do the work of the Spirit in convicting the world concerning sin and judgment and righteousness. And Father, that you, maybe maybe we've never felt, maybe, I hate that word, maybe we've never really comprehended the love and the reckless abandon and the sacrifice of blood and flesh that was poured out on the cross. Maybe we had never gotten that. That while we were yet sinners, we had no worth from us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still dead, Christ died for us. The ungodly, the just to justify the many. Lord, thank you for that. We ask that you would continue to set people free. That you would continue to take scales off of eyes. That you would continue to Mack truck, Holy Spirit, train wreck people's lives. So that they get these truths. I believe. I believe that you are the Christ. The son of the living God. All I know... I was blind, and you made me see, that I was lost, that I was in a pit, and you've taken me out of the pit, the miry clay, and you have set my feet upon the rock, Jesus Christ. You know, you might be here tonight, and you you don't know Jesus. You don't know that he's set, set people free. You don't know that he's borne your sin. You don't know the voice of the shepherd because you've never really listened. Or you don't know, you may think that you're listening, but you're not following. Jesus doesn't know you. I bet, because I know God, if you open your ears and you ask God to open your ears, that you will hear His voice. Let's, let's respond to the great love that Christ and God in Christ has for us.